and you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning, our penultimate gardening programme for this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. One more show to go next Saturday, so listeners should get their questions they in today. They should. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure we get them get them covered. Um, good morning to you indeed and welcome along. Um, a busy week, I suppose, yeah, with the penultimate uh, programme, second last programme uh, for this season anyway. That always heralds, of course, uh, Halloween uh, just Halloween around the corner. around the corner, yeah, mm. and, and and uh, it's lovely to hear that we're actually going to have a really dry week. So after we get through the rain this morning and, and uh, tonight, we're into high pressure all next week, which is going to mean frost, but it's also going to mean some fantastic autumnal gardening weather. And as you say, we're coming up to Halloween next weekend and just wanted to mention that... Um, a lot of children will be off. So if yes. people are around next Saturday and Sunday, which is the 27th and the 28th of October, in our store in Castlebar in Turlock, uh, every autumn we have a free event for children. So it runs on the Saturday and Sunday, face painting. There's some interesting things. As you know, we have the Pets Centre there. So we have, they have a, special, um, a special event called Meet the Beast. Which is unusual. Um, meet the beast. Meet the beast. The beast. Oh, beasts, yes, plural, plural. Sorry. Okay. So it's lots of kind of creepy crawlies that children just find okay. fascinating. So Jason and the team have collected. A lot of them are actually Jason's own pets, and he brings along um, lots of unusual characters uh, for for that event. So let's meet the beast next weekend. This face painting. This wall of terror which is okay. you've got to put your hand in or your head in or and, whatever. And, go, to, uh, and gosh only knows what's yeah. in there, is that it? And uh, face dra- dra- fancy dress competition, obviously, for Halloween on the Sunday as well. So that's a free event in Horkins next Sunday, Saturday and Sunday right through Halloween. So it's the 28th, or 27th and 28th of October. Um, so we'll remind people next weekend about that as well. Uh, I took a trip actually down memory lane this week. Okay, I, I went do, back, do tell. Probably inspired by, by our chat about the uh, the walnut tree last oh, week. Oh, right. Whilst I was in Dublin, I was in Dublin uh, during the week, so I took uh, a spin out to the National Botanic Gardens. And if people are in Dublin over the next week or over the next fortnight, they have this fantastic display of autumnal fruits. I was going to say, I'm sure they look really kind of resplendent just in general at this time of the year. Because oh, the gardens be are amazing. So, I mean, I know they look amazing all the time, but really autumn colour is a great opportunity to enjoy them. It is indeed. And and um, I haven't been there in probably, you know, probably a couple of years now okay. since I've been back. And I took probably two or three hours just walking around the gardens themselves. A lovely dry day. And uh, there's 50 acres to walk through. You would spend at least a full day and they have a cafe there and all that. But just inside the gates, they have this fantastic display of autumnal fruits, particularly pumpkins, gourds, marrows, um, sloes, tayberries, Oh, the plants we were chatting actually about last, last week. week. They have just a, just a beautiful display right inside the main gates, and particularly for children. Um, the amount the crowd was huge all around the, um, the that particular autumnal display. But it was just lovely to see, and all the fruits were grown in the gardens. So they had grapes, for example, from the from the glass houses. Okay. Uh, lots of apple varieties, but particularly an autumnal feel with the uh, with the huge big pumpkins and gourds and all sorts of colours, squashes, colours. Yeah, yeah, marrows and all the festive fruits of the autumn and that was just inside the main gate as you come in the Botanic Gardens. It is free, it's out there in Glasnevin, it's free to the public, it's, it opens the seven days and um, it's well worth a visit if you're in Dublin, particularly for children, there's a lot of children there on the day. I actually have a picture of the, um, of the pumpkin display up on the Horkins Facebook page so if people want, just want to 
have a look at that and give you a sense. But for selfies and photographs yeah. at this time of year, it was absolutely lovely. But the gardens themselves are in tip-top condition. Um, I was actually there. I, I took a lot of photographs of plants in flower at this time of year. Which is a question that we get on the programme all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, so it, it, I thought it was, you know, lots of lovely plants like asters in flower, the beautiful uh, strawberry tree, um, Arbutus unido, which is native here to Ireland. Uh, it's an evergreen tree with lovely white flowers at this time of year, but it's got these riddle red strawberry-like fruits, which are edible. They're not like our traditional strawberry, big and juicy. They're quite small, but they are edible. But it's a beautiful tree and lovely, lovely bark. Uh, a really nice tree and grows very well here in the west of Ireland. You'll see it actually growing in parts of Killarney and Kerry, uh, wild. It okay. sells seeds and, and it's one of our native Irish trees. And does it grow be- tall? The, I, know, oh, I, know, I think we've touched on it before sometime back in the programme. Yeah. Yeah. It's a relatively slow growing tree. Generally when you buy the plant it's probably two to three feet when you purchase it. But over 30 or 40 years it'll only grow to about 15, maybe 18 feet. So it's actually a relatively small tree but it's a particularly nice tree because many trees are deciduous. They shed their leaves in winter yeah. but the strawberry tree, the native Irish strawberry tree, Arbutus unido, has beautiful bark it's got very uh, evergreen foliage, white flowers, and then it's got these magnificent little red berries. So it actually flowers and berries at the same time of year. Uh, so the, and there's a lovely collection of those in the botanic gardens. Um, but then right right through to some lovely um, aconites in flower, some lovely trees with autumnal colour like the liquid ambers, the maples were particularly stunning, um, this, the Japanese maples mm-hmm. and the regular maples. And um, so it's well worth a visit. And there's some lovely water features and the rose garden was looking particularly well. The veg garden I went to see as well. Um, and as you, you probably remember, I did a talk last Saturday for the, the Valley Honest Beekeeper. So mm. I was looking actually for some photographs uh, to, to add to my collection of, of and I, I was amazed the amount of bees out foraging even during the week. Even though it was relatively cool, it was a dry day, but they were out feeding on the um, anything that was in flower. The phacelia, for example, was in flower. Yeah. The aconites were in flower. And there was a lot of look, lovely uh, plants for autumn in bloom. So I went to see your, your uh, walnut tree as well. Okay, I haven't been back to the <laughs> walnut tree all week, I'll have to confess. Ava, just one of those weeks where uh, time ran away with itself. But yeah, a beautiful so specimen in the Botanic Gardens. A I think, single specimen or yeah, just a the, couple? Just the one tree. Yeah. There's one tree there. Um, it's just off one of the greenhouses. And, and I remember as a student uh, often picking the, the fruit from it. But it's Again, just having a look at it, there was actually no fruit on it this year. Okay, I'd say possibly because it was a little bit dry yeah. in, in on the east coast. Um, but you know, in terms of a specimen plant, it must have been at least 100, 120 feet in height. It's got this beautiful corky bark, so really thick, dense bark. When you touch it, it's it's soft, it's corky in nature. And um, remember last week, somebody wrote in to say uh, or, or mentioned that the the leaves of the juglans of the walnut tree often suppress other. Yes, so trees. the only thing growing underneath this particular walnut was some grass. Really, so because therefore. I did actually go back and I had a chat with my mum about uh, the one that is in the in your garden, garden yeah, or yeah. at the back. And it's the, it's it's one of three trees and it's in the middle and there's an oak on one side of it and I can't remember what she said was on the other side but There are other trees there growing are, around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it will it will suppress probably more so when it's younger but it will yeah. suppress As you know weeds sold, growing. Yeah. Yeah, but, oh, oh well yeah. we don't mind about that. Yeah <laughs> and, and, and certainly larger plants won't, mm. won't be affected by it. But it was just interesting to see. So if people are in the Dublin area during the week um, remember that there is a, a fantastic display of uh, autumnal fruits in the Botanic Gardens. I would imagine 
imagine they'll have it right through Halloween into probably for the next two weeks. Um, but it was certainly stunning. If people want to kind of a sample of what it's like, pop on to our Horkins website, uh, or sorry, the Facebook page. I put it up there this morning. I will be on the FaceTime Live as well after Absolutely. this show yep. at um, five minutes past ten to answer any of the questions we, go in, we don't get through today. Okay. So if people have questions, they can post them on the Horkins uh, Facebook page now and I'll get to those after ten o'clock. And you can join me. We'll, we'll do about a 15-minute or 20-minute session uh, on face, Facebook Live. So that's the Horkins Garden Centre Facebook page. Just put that into Facebook and it'll bring it up. The other thing I thought, dear, the, the week is promised good. Yes, and um, and it has been a, a, a particularly good... Uh, now, there's one thing. Actually, when I was in the Botanic Gardens, they were watering the bedding plants. That's how dry things are. They actually had a sprinkler uh, sprinkling really? away, a flying water everywhere. Um, the hose band must be lifted. And what? It must have been, <laughs> yeah, I think it might have pa- passed there sometime back. But what kind of bedding plants then, the, do they, they have had planted this time? Beds, uh, Like outdoor bedding plants? Yeah, yeah, so they had planted beds of winter pansies, wallflowers, sweet william, forget-me-nots, all the spring flowering bedding plants were actually planted in, in the beds in the gardens and uh, I just thought it was interesting in October that they water. actually had to water, okay. they had to put an automatic yeah. sprinkler on the, the, the beds, yeah. um, so it just shows you how dry an autumn and summer we've had but um, having said all that, it is promised a dry week and there are things that people should think about doing in using this week really, again to kind of get the garden uh, tidied up so things like, certainly with the lawns it's, it's giving the lawn that final it will certainly see at least one or two more trimming of the lawn and a great time to uh, start that compost heap because there's lots of leaf litter around. Remember, lots of your your uh, household waste yeah. can also be used for recycling things like newspapers and tea bags and coffee granules and all that sort of stuff can be used and mixed through grass and leaves at this time of year. Add a little bit of the grotto um, bacterial activator to get the compost breaking down quicker. But it's a super time to start composting in your own garden. Great time of year also for feeding lawns with autumn feed, controlling the moss with the zero. So my advice is to put on your zero if you haven't put it on yet because, um, you know, just eliminating it now. So cut, cut your lawn put that on the compost heap and then give it a spray of the zero and put on an autumn feed as well. Reseeding of lawns can still continue. So again, if people have uh, new areas they want to seed, there are per- it's perfect conditions at the moment for, for reseeding lawns. The planting of fruit in particular, so the blueberries, the blackberries, the tayberries, the strawberries, the raspberries and the apples and pears all can still be planted. The soil conditions are ideal. And planting trees in general, if you want a nice autumnal mm. tree in your garden, like a liquid amber or a maple or Parotia persica is a lovely tree from Iran, which gives fantastic colour. We have it in the garden centre, actually, in spent in uh, in Turlock, in the car park. So as people park, you'll see that beautiful Parotia persica giving fantastic autumn colour. So this is a good time of year for planting trees in general. The sowing of sweet peas can be done now. The trimming of hedges. So if you've got laurel hedging, you want to tidy it up and just trim it back or lelandii. Now is really a, a good time. The planting of winter colour. I went to actually, when I was in the Botanic Gardens, one of the things that caught my eye were the winter heathers. So they have a fabulous bed of heathers that's there since my time back in 83. And the heathers were in flower, just coming into flower, the winter flowering varieties. So varieties like Merton Rubies, Kramer's Red, White Perfection. Um, again, I took a nice little video. I'll post it up on the website mm. that people can see. But going back to that point of planting them like a Persian carpet in groups of so, sevens and nines. 
So Very you evident. Got this fabulous flush of colour, really. It looks stunning. And they had three or four dwarf conifers right in the middle just to give it a bit of height. But apart from that, it was just literally heathers okay. planted in groups of pinks and whites and yellows. It just looked superb. Very low maintenance. You couldn't see the soil. So there was no, no. soil visible. It was just this rain, fabulous bed of autumn colour. And I'm sure they've underplanted with spring bulbs. So in the springtime, the snowdrops and crocuses and dwarf daffodils will come up through those heathers. So, you know, it just reminds me again that how, how valuable heathers are for winter colour. But they were absolutely stunning. A lovely bed of them. And here in the west of Ireland, they grow so well. Speaking about bulbs, of course, this is again... We're kind of coming to the end of the bulb planting season. Mm-hmm. So for listeners that want to plant some daftas or snowdrops or crocuses or whatever, do it over this coming week if you can, in the next week to 10 days. Not so much from a, the selection of bulbs is just going to be gone if you leave it any longer. So my advice is to plant now rather than, than leaving it. And even if you haven't got a spot for them, you can simply put them into pots and containers or in window boxes and they will grow in those over the winter period to come into flower then in the spring. Lovely time for planting winter colour as well. And I mentioned a couple of the plants that were flowering in the botanic gardens, like the asters and the aconites. But other plants that caught my eye were things like Christmas roses, the heliborus, which will be coming into flower very shortly and flower right through Christmas into spring of next year. The skimmias, which are beginning to bury at the moment, they're lovely at the moment. And again, will give great winter colour. Pyracantha was covered in berries uh, when I was there. Things like cyclamen as well. And many of the bedding plants that we talked about, the winter heathers and winter violas, they should be planted now. And also a really good time of year for planting climbers in general. So if you want to plant, say, a winter flowering clematis, there's a lovely one called Winter Beauty that will come into flower now in the next couple of weeks, but a really good time to plant Others like Pyracantha, which are full of berries mm. at this time of year, or Cotoneaster, are brilliant at the moment. But the planting of climbers, this is the time of year. Even though there's not going to be a whole lot of stem growth and new growth, you, the plants themselves settle in really well if they're planted in the autumn. So really my advice is to use the next week to kind of tidy up the garden, um, feed the lawns, get rid of the moss, plant up some spring bulbs, plant some hedging plants as well. It's a good time of year. Or for listeners that are thinking of maybe planting bare root plants later on in November, this is the time of year to get the soil ready. So get rid of any weeds and grass that may be there. Get the soil uh, ready for planting so that it's not as big a job then as we come into November. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're thinking of planting beech, for example, as a hedge, then prepare the soil now. Or if you're thinking of planting roses in the autumn, get the soil prepared now. So really, that's uh, the type of things... Yeah, and as we said, with the weather not being too bad at all, uh, lots of opportunities. So I yeah. suppose kind of make hay literally while Absolutely. It's there. Now, there is going to be frost this coming week. And just keep an eye on that. When we get the high pressure, we obviously get the frost as mm. well. So any tender plants, a good idea is to move them inside now or take cuttings of them and root those indoors. And, you know, so if you've got things like geraniums or agaranthemas or any soft plants, then my advice is to take some cuttings now at this time of year and root those inside so at least you've protected your plants. So, um, so yeah, they're the type of things I, I would do. Um, this week, I'm actually up with the um, into the Victorian Garden in the OPW. Okay. Uh, and um, we're doing a bit of filming for Virgin Media, but they have a special event uh, Monday week, which is with the Bank Holiday. Bank Holiday on Monday. They're, ha- they're having a free um, pumpkin carving festival. Right kicking off at three o'clock. So we're going, we're going to do a bit of filming on Wednesday. That's actually going to be broadcast on Friday just to promote that as well. So I'm going to be interested to see the Victorian Garden again and just see what kind of condition it's, it's in. And I promise some honey. 
Okay. So well, I'll bring some I, I'll some okay. Michael D's honey for you right, next well, weekend. I'm holding guaranteed. It to that. Yeah, I'm holding <laughs> it to that. Somebody has uh, just sent in a, a collection of photographs of Porek also uh, from the Botanic Gardens oh, this week. Yeah, my daughter. I don't have a name to go with this, but my daughter was at the Botanic Gardens this week for college, and um, they've actually sent us the photographs of those pumpkin displays. And yeah. They look oh, they're, incredible. They're oh my goodness me. Stunning. Uh, we're not just talking about one or two pumpkins. No, no. There's like a couple hundreds of hundreds. Yeah. Of pumpkins. But there's also big other, pumpkins, small pumpkins, uh, yeah. all sizes. All grown in the botanic yeah, gardens. Or but, gourds or yeah. of, of, of that squashes, family anyway. Yeah. Marrows. But what I also like. Brilliant photographs. Thank you, listener, for sending those in. They had lovely kind of sweet chestnuts. They had sloes. Blackberries, yeah, cabries, apples. Here in boxes and yeah, stuff it's not there. just it's not just pumpkins I see the and grapes gourds. now and everything. Yeah. I don't know if we might get to share that out a little bit later. And they were all grown uh, in the botanic gardens, in the greenhouses. Um, when you, when you visit the veg garden, you'll actually see the remnants of some of the the gourds and the. Uh, the, the ones that probably had a bit of blemish on them okay. <laughs> they're trying to hide away you'll see some of those there turn so it's, it around turn it's it a, around it was a lovely and it was actually full of children uh, when I was there yeah. and, and a great selfie moment and remember it's free it's it's there for the public it's yeah. um, run by the OPW and they do a fantastic job brilliant stuff well thank you for that uh, kind of uh, gives us a sense of what it all looked like right Park just a couple of questions come in earlier in the week yeah, on shoot. an email just in case I'm afraid I'll forget about it so we'll do that first of all um, Marie, thanks indeed for making contact. So a few questions. Is it best to harvest carrots this time of year or leave in the ground and pick and, uh, or pick and use as we go along? Well, they're often better left in the ground as long as possible now. You know, the, you can, there's a trade-off there between leaving them too long and the weather getting too wet and uh, f- heavy frost damage them as well. But carrots and parsnips are sweeter the longer they're left in the soil. Same with oh. turnips. If you could leave them in the ground and they get a little bit of frost, a bit of cold weather, they actually... Sweeten them up. It does. It increases the sugar content in the natural sugars in, in all of those. So some vegetables actually benefit. Now, what I would actually do is maybe lift some of them, what, particularly with the weather being dry this coming week, it would be an ideal time mm. to lift carrots. And they do store very well in a garage situation, maybe in some damp peat or in some damp soil or sand, um, something like that, just to keep them kind of semi-moist, but in a dark location. And then leave some outside as well. But they will actually, uh, the flavour is better if they're left in the ground. So particularly with carrots, parsnips, uh, turnips, suede's, they, you get far, far better levels of, of sugar in them. And it's been quite a, a mild autumn. They're still growing. Right. There's still lots of green so foliage on them. So there's no need really to have a Not big panic about getting no, them Don't more. panic the moment. And, and you're just hoping that the weather just, you know, once it gets very miserable and wet, it yeah. can be a, more of a tedious yeah. job and more a messier job uh, than, you know, trying to lift them. So I would lift some of them and store some and then uh, leave others in the ground and, and continue to use those. And then the stored varieties can be, let, can be used maybe back in January or early February. Now, I suppose on a similar note, beetroot, um, is it best to harvest that and pickle it now? Yeah, it's ready now. It, it, it is, it is, um, Does it benefit from staying no, in the ground? No, it doesn't really. Right. It is, so it's better actually lifted now and, and used. And it's been a great year for beetroot. So um, now, any time from now on, this week would be ideal to lift it and pickle it. And pickle it indeed. Uh, is it better to transplant daffodil bulbs now or in spring? They're in pots at the moment. Well, you, it, it, it's, it 
there's, there's no problem if the listener wants to actually transplant them now. The benefit of having them in the pots is that they'll continue to grow right through the winter and spring. And as they're starting to emerge in, say, January and February, you can select the spot then you want them to flower in. So if you want them to put them in pots or you know, in, in through other shrubs in the springtime. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty about having them in containers or pots. So unless there's a panic to actually transplant them, I would leave them in the pots till January, February, March of next year. You can transplant them whilst they're in flower if you wish. So there's no problem leaving them in the pots. Just leave them outside, let the rain get at them, let the frost get at them. You don't have to protect them in any way. And um, they'll start to sprout then in January, February and then decide where you want to put them. Excellent. Now, a couple of questions on cutting back and different bits and pieces. So when to cut back hebes and how far do we cut them back? Okay, so the hebe, a great easy garden plant, a great plant to the west of Ireland because it tolerates our, our wind and particularly the salty, uh, particularly in seaside gardens. The thing, the trick with them is not to prune them too severely. So if it's an old variety, I would only remove about six, eight inches of the plant. So don't be too severe with it because they don't have the ability to reshoot further down. So just lightly trim them back. Now I would leave the pruning of hebes till early spring so leave them alone for the for the moment then about the first or second week of march give them a light trimming back six to eight inches is enough um it they'll shoot and those little shoots actually can be taken from as cuttings if you wish as well and and rooted at that time of year or indeed you could take a couple of cuttings now if you wished so leave them well enough alone until next spring then take six or eight inches off the plant give them a good feed they'll kick into growth and on that growth then they'll flower this coming summer so don't be too severe with hebes. They really should be trimmed from year one. That's the trick with them because if you're trimming them when they're young, they've got greater ability to reshoot. Right. And uh, so a light trimming back every year once you plant them keeps them in, keeps them really bushy, really tight. It encourages lots of young growth in them and they don't get too leggy and too woody. And that's probably what the listeners, you know, they over time they get a little bit... Um, stemmy, woody and and the foliage tends to be at the top of the plant. So So keeping them trimmed back earlier is... Every spring. If it's done every spring you keep them maintained um, you know, you keep keep them in in better condition. You get better show. You do. Now, love the programme, says uh, this listener. Um, Can we ask what's the best type of cooking apples that grow in the west of Ireland? Well, there's a couple of great varieties. So the Bramley Seeding is probably the best known, the Donegal apple. It does really well here in the west of Ireland as well. And it's a great variety. It's not ready actually for picking just yet. It's going to take another probably four weeks before it's ready. And it stores particularly well. So the Bramley Seeding is a great winter, spring, early summer variety. It's generally the one you see in the shops to buy because it stores extremely well. Another lovely variety called Grenadier is a large green cooking apple. It matures earlier, so it's ready to pick in August, September. Um, and it's actually a great pollinator. The Bramley seeding, seedling is actually what we call a triploid. It's very poor at pollinating other apple trees. So where you grow it, you need to have a couple of other varieties planted around it. it because it won't pollinate its partner, but it will be pollinated by, by others. others. So Grenadier is a really good variety to plant with it. And Grenadier tends to be a small um more compact variety than Bramley. So the Bramley is a large tree. Mm-hmm. The Grenadier is, is smaller, but a lovely cooking apple, really big apples in August and September. Another nice variety is uh, Charles Ross, which is a, both a dessert and a cooking variety. Cox's Orange Pippin is one of its uh, parents, which is a very sweet apple. Yeah. So you get that kind of Charles Ross is a, is a red and kind of yellowish variety. It's a really nice, a, attractive okay. yeah, whereas Bramley seedling is predominantly green with a, with a bit of red and Grenadier is pure, pure green. green. So Charles Ross adds a bit of colour. So that's quite a nice variety. It's a sweet cooking mm. apple. 
It's the best way to describe it. So any of those three, and you can mix cooking varieties with eaters. So you can plant some James Grieve or Beauty of Bath or Katie as well, just to complement the, the orchard. Now, we're looking to complete a project with children over Halloween to plant something that will flower in the spring. Would you have any suggestions? Well, this, the bulbs are probably the best choice to go for. So some of the ones we, we mentioned before, the dwarf hyacinths, scented hyacinths are lovely. You can get uh, the prepared ones for Christmas or you can get the ordinary varieties that will flower in February and March of next year if planted now. Some of the dwarf tulips, a lovely variety called Pinocchio which is a nice one for children, or Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Both dwarf in stature, they'll only grow to a six or eight inches in height. Plant them now in pots and containers. They'll be flowering in, you know, probably March, March, April of next year. Some of the dwarf daffodils as well, Jetfire or Rip Van Winkle. How about that for a that's, name? And that's perfect for children. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's a double variety. So it's not your typical uh, daffodil. It's actually got uh, double petals are, uh, on the flower. So it's, it's a kind of a very deep set flower with double petals so you don't get the normal trumpet you get this heavy set so that's Rip Ram Winkle so there's lots of really good bulbs are great they're foolproof even if the kids put them upside down they're going to grow they could also sow the sweet peas that I mentioned you could sow some sweet pea at this time of year for flowering next summer just as something interesting Um, or maybe some of the bee friendly plants like the phacelia the bees were actually on phacelia in the botanic gardens in the veg garden when I visited and we're in the middle of October and the plant is still in flower so and it's flowering since April. <clears throat> so, so some of the bee-friendly plants, so uh, cornflowers the, um, would be nice. The uh, English marigold would be good as well. All of those can be sown from seed at this time of year. They'll flower next spring and summer and they're perfect for bees. Now, I'm admiring my neighbour's red ivy. It's lovely. Can I take slips this year? Uh, <laughs> yes, you can. So red ivy is Virginia creeper or Boston ivy. There's two different varieties. Um Boston ivy has the kind of more compound leaf. It's kind of a very large leaf, like the shape of your hand. And the uh, Virginia creeper then has kind of five little leaflets on it. So both propagate easy from cuttings um, at this time of year. The other thing you can do is to layer it. You can actually pin some of the branches down onto the soil, with your neighbour's permission, obviously. And they will root and you can cut them and plant them. Or you'll often find a branch that has hit the ground and it'll actually produce roots and that can be just severed from the main plant and just potted up and and grown on. So it's a great time for planting climbers, Virginia creepers or Boston ivies in particular and they're beautiful this autumn. When we get an autumn like this where you don't get too much rain and okay, I've, we've had and some wind. Wind, we'd have, yeah, but but, but it's, it's not, but it's not persistent every day. No, it's, it's actually not. very still. So it bar is. the leaf uh, drop or you know the leaves that went uh, with whichever storm it was, Callum or Ali or whatever, uh, we haven't had much since. No, we then. haven't. And and an autumn like that where you get that really, and particularly when you get nice kind of cold nights. The autumnal colours are just fantastic. I mean, that's why Canada is, is or North America is known for its its autumnal colour because they get that crisp, cold, calm weather yeah. at this time of year and you get that, those beautiful colours. So we're seeing that this year. It's been a particularly good year for autumn colour. They do a really interesting thing there. They do this leaf monitoring thing in Canada. I was in it in November of last year, right. uh, which was just kind of late for the leaf monitoring. But they um, and you, they have maps and you can see where the leaves are changing. changing. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's a huge, big, obviously national project, right. but it's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there is, yeah. So maybe as the weeks so, maybe go by, somebody, that's an idea for somebody here. I, I don't know. Maybe we're too small for that. But <laughs> as the weeks go by, and in the different locations and the different yes. kinds of trees, yes, uh, they have and they have a they have this this I suppose the scale of color that goes from green then to the far end of brown, if you right. like, and all yeah, the yeah. colors that go in between. Wow. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and it's noted for it, isn't it? Yeah. So um, anyway, sorry, yeah, complete something slide. you could yeah. start there yeah. next I, year. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in between everything else, isn't yeah, that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so it's been a great year, really, for yeah, autumn for colour, colour, and and it's something to Sorry. remember. To, it's a good time to to plant for autumn colour, be it uh, Virginia creepers or trees or shrubs. There are many good garden shrubs as well that have lovely autumn colour as well, like that Parotia persica I mentioned, or. Um, Shrubs like shumac are lovely, or there's a, a euonymus, euonymus alatus, that actually often grows in hedgerows. It's called the spindle bush. It's got lovely red berries at this time of year, but or orange berries, I should say, but it's absolutely stunning in terms of foliage colour. It's a lovely plant and really, very easy to grow. Problem with hydrangeas. Okay. Um, my, hydrangeas, my heart goes yes, out here. Yes, yes. Um, it was cut back by accident when cutting a hedge. How can I protect from the frost? And you see, it's a, it's a good question because, uh, and we, we chatted about this last week, that when you prune plants black, it's like cutting hair. It stimulates new growth and the hydrangea is actually going to kick into growth over the winter period. Now, look, the hydrangea would be fine unless we get a very severe winter. Um, so if the listener really wants to protect us, then maybe in January and February, if you see some new growth on the plant, you could cover it with some garden fleece. But to be honest, I think it'll be perfectly fine. Just leave it alone. What you're going to find this year is that it, it will be a mass of green leaves but very little flower. Um, so because you cut it too early, you cut it, and you probably was cut back too hard. It, it sounds like it's in a hedgerow and it was just munched back. So it will kick back into growth. Put a bit of fertilizer on it next spring. Um, it will be a mass of green leaves, possibly maybe some flowers. But the following year, it'll settle back into flowering again and be perfectly fl- fine. Now I'm assuming it's the mop hedge, the ordinary um, macrophylla varieties, the common hydrangea that we see in the gardens, because there are others like those paniculatas, like Bobo and Annabelle that do respond very well from hard pruning back. back and they should be done in early spring in February and March of next year Right, onion sets stored in a dry shed and they're starting to rot. Any tips? Oh, well, once they start to rot, there's very little you can do. I mean, you just go through and pick out. Um, the thing with onions is they, they have a very high <clears throat> moisture content and the trick is to dry them really well. Now, this has been a good year for onions in general if they didn't go to seed, if you got, were able to manage to coax them through the autumn. They really need to be stored in a dry, somewhere like a greenhouse or a tunnel or an open shed mm-hmm. for several weeks to let them dry out before you put them into final storage. So really my advice is just to take out anything that's bruised or damaged or beginning to rot, use those up or dump them. And then those that are healthy, uh, they should be, you know, they should be okay. Just keep them stored. Keep as much air ventilation, you know, keep them so they're not piled up one on top of the other. That you give as much air around the base of them. Keep them cool and dark. Um, so somewhere like, like an attic or a spare garage, somewhere dark and cold is the ideal place for them. So really just pick out whatever's been affected and damaged and uh, dump those or use them and store the rest. anything that's healthy. Yeah. And for next year, really when you're drying onion sets it's if you can put them into an open shed a greenhouse or a tunnel for several ventilation as well yeah somewhere dry out of the rain and plenty of air movement Mm. dry them up as much as possible before you store them now we've a rose with white and red single flowers and uh, and this time of year it has a little cherry tomato type berry on it lovely how and when to cut back 
it's very thorny. It sure is. You're going to need the gloves for this one. Now that's that's the dog rose, Rosa canina, or there are loads of different varieties of um, single flowering roses. First of all, they're fantastic for bees. They're great in the hedgerow. They're great for all insects because those single flowering roses are full of pollen and nectar. And hence, you get the lovely hips or red that's berries. The, that's the, the berry, the rose so, hip. So you can see the, the insects have come to visit those flowers this year. My advice is really, they are deciduous, so they shed their leaves in winter. By the way, it makes a fantastic hedge, particularly in seaside gardens. If you're in an open, elevated, windy spot, then the shrub roses or single flowering roses, uh, the dog roses, they make a superb hedge. Albeit that they are deciduous, they make a wonderful hedge and they tolerate salt air and wind and all of that. Um, The pruning is done in springtime. Mm -hmm. So you enjoy the flowers in the summer. You enjoy the berries in the winter. The berries will stay on the plant, the little rose hips, until February of next year. And then they tend to fall. Um, And then you can prune it back. So my advice is, look, leave it alone. Enjoy it for the autumn and winter. Um, And then the birds will come and pick at the berries during the winter period. And then in February or early March, trim it back with a hedge trimmer. So you will need gloves because it is thorny. thorny. But you don't have to be worrying about above, above or below, but you literally just take the hedge clippers to it right. and chop it all back. Probably an electric or motorised trimmer would be better okay. because it's got, yeah. you know, you're, you're standing back from the hedge and you can, can trim it. So you can give it a good hard pruning back. It makes a wonderful hedge up to five or six feet and such an easy plant to grow. Dog roses. So they are thorny. They're a great barrier. They're often planted for security reasons. You okay, know, increasingly the Gardaí yeah. are recommending the planting of, are th- they? of thorny plants. Right, how So plants like, like the um, Rosa canina is, is, is a very good variety because it's so thorny. Um, pyracantha, white thorn, black thorn, anything with thorns on it, Hippophae, Remnoidus, there's it's a lot of plants. Very deterrent, all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah you'll yeah. often hear the ads now. And um, We did a piece actually um, during the summer when I was at Bloom um, with the Gardaí on uh, prevention and particularly the planting of uh, particularly wall plants, you know, things like pyracantha where you can plant it under a window yes. to block To block anyone an trying to, guess. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, pyracantha's got thorns that are at least an inch they'll, or an inch and a half. They'll do so damage, yeah. <laughs> if you get in close contact with them, you will, you'll know that they're there. So it, it, they're advising quite a lot of that of security planting hedges around perimeters that are thorny by nature. Berberus, for example, some of the Berberus varieties are brilliant for that. Darwinii and uh, the purple one, Thimbergii, are brilliant as an anti-theft security hedging so there are a range of thorny plants that are used for security purposes security now. planting yeah, yeah. security planting new phrase for, yeah. for me for today right beach hedge it's gone very bare already it's over 15 years old yeah and look at the beach are beginning to drop there they're changing remember that we've had that wind I was talking about it probably three weeks ago coming down from Galway and Tume all the trees that were bet and battered and turned brown with the wind that we yep. had so there is a little bit of wind damage you're seeing that on beach at the moment they are beginning to shed their leaves early my own beach is beginning to turn as well so this is the time of year that beach changes from green or purple to the lovely rustic bronze colour and some of the the wind we've had has certainly scorched it so it is a little early this year for them to be turning, but there's nothing to worry about. The hedge is perfectly healthy. If the listener wants to give it a light trim at this time of year, that's perfectly fine. And next spring, give it a feed and it'll be... There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. It's fine. It's, it's just fine. down to the, the this particular the, the autumn. The and the conditions. Yeah, it is this year. We planted bare root white thorn hedging in January. What's the best time to trim it? 
Um, well, I, first of all, I would have pruned it in January when you planted it. I'd have taken the top and the sides, just just even a couple of inches, because that helps to thicken out the plant. Um, having said that, I would trim it now because it's going to get whipped around for the winter. So you could literally take six or eight inches off the plant, kind of tidy it all back to one level height. So some plants you might be taking three or four inches and others you might be taking, you know, five or six inches. So tidy the white thorn hedge back, leaving it for the winter. It's only going to get knocked about with the wind. Trimming it now will help to stimulate new growth in the spring that will help to thicken it in together. And really, I would trim it now and I would also trim it again. Oh, sorry, I would trim it in early spring or, or now if you wish, uh, but I'd also prune it again maybe about the first week of June right. when it's made that first flush of growth because that helps to thicken it up as well so the more the light, light little bit of trimming it gets in the formative years will help to thicken it up and put a nice shape on it and Whitethorn makes one of the best hedges of all it's a beautiful hedge um, and, really also, and also good for security planting. It's fantastic for security. <laughs> it is deciduous. It does shed in winter. But as a hedge, when it's neatly trimmed, it's one of the nicest hedges of all and it's cheap as chips to, to plant. To plant. Planted in November. Um, is it too soon to move shrubs on the lawn to another place? And also, my wallflowers are still in bloom and have been for quite some time. There you go. And, and you often get that with, with spring flowering plants. When you think about it, at this time of year, the weather conditions and the length of day and the temperatures are very similar to what we get in March. So you often get spring flowering plants flowering in the autumn. So we'd often see rhododendrons, for example, or camellias sneaking a few flowers at this time of year. And wallflowers generally flower in March, April and May. But they often flower at this time of year as well, simply because you're getting spring-like weather. Now, if they're gone a little bit leggy, um, then my advice would be to actually forsake those flowers and just trim them back a little bit so that they're not getting too weedy. Because sometimes wallflowers can get a little bit tall and, and kind of gangly and they, and they tend to suffer a little bit then over the winter in terms of wind rock. So if they're, if they're nice and bushy and flowering, leave well enough alone. If they're gone a little bit... Uh, elongated then trim them back a little bit um, going back to the what was the other piece this week is going to be fabulous for moving plants and the rule of thumb is evergreen plants like hollies forest flame red, uh, fortinia red robin anything which, that holds its leaf 12 months a year can be moved early at this time of year, mm -hmm. no problem at all in October and we've got perfect weather conditions at the moment. So take as much root ball as possible and make sure you replant at the same level. Deciduous plants like hydrangeas or forsythiae or spireas, you wait until the leaf falls. So that'll be another two to three weeks okay. before that happens. So evergreens, by all means, mm -hmm. lift them up, transplant them and this coming week would be an ideal time of year to do that. Now, John hasn't dug the potatoes yet because he had a shoulder injury, but he's wondering, can you recommend any other way of storing them other than making a pit in the garden? Yeah, the pit is the old way of, of doing them. You, you actually, uh, you know, put, put things like rushes or straw, straw down yeah. and, and then put soil over the potatoes. And that keeps them cool and dark, which is ideal. Now, sometimes the crows get at them or... or uh, our friends with the four legs get at them so a way to store them is literally just to lift them and store them in a shed or a garage um, ideally in paper bags or in boxes not in polythene bags because they tend to sweat and, and uh, so if John now again there's no need to lift them for another two to three weeks they can be left there quite safely um, because again the weather conditions are ideal for, for, for leaving potatoes mm. certainly till about mid-November but having said that once it, you know the soil is workable if John has got the time over this coming week you could start lifting them and storing them literally in a in boxes crates 
paper bags, that type of large paper bags, and they store very well in dark, cold area over the winter period. Okay, great. Um, somebody, we were talking about uh, the cutting back of the dog roses there. Yeah. Somebody was wondering when is the best time to plant them? Well, November is, is the, they're no. generally sold like the white thorn, bare rooted. So plant them anytime from kind of the first or second week of November onwards. And they come in the in the pink and white forms. Um, both have the hips. Make sure they're the single flowering varieties because you do get double varieties as well. Um, and maybe go for a mixture of different colours and plant them together. So November is the time to plant. I would get the soil ready now by literally spraying the area with a bit of Wheat Free 360. Remove any grass or weeds that are there and then you're good to plant then in November. Now we've lupin seeds in pots. Um, I have buds about two inches. How do I protect them for the winter? Well, they are frost hardy. Now, having said that, I would if you had if you could make up a little cold frame for them. Um, so ideally, they're better outside, but semi-protected. So if you've kind of a sheltered part of uh, the house, maybe up against a wall, um, if you could make up a cold frame, which is literally just a piece of polythene that you put over the tops of the plants or a sheet of glass, something like that, just to keep the, the misery of the winter, the wet and the rain. If you have a polythene tunnel, it'd be ideal, or a little yeah. greenhouse would be ideal as well. So somewhere outdoors, cool, but not excessively wet. If that makes sense. So the shadow of a wall would suit, maybe in against a wall would suit ideally. But they are frost hardy. Leave them there till February or March of next year and then plant them out where you want want them to flower next year. But two inches high, they'll be perfectly fine. Do watch the slugs with them. That's the main threat over the winter. So the slugs will get them, the snails will get them over the winter. So ideally try to protect them uh, against that. But anywhere out of doors, semi-sheltered, semi-protected. And it's the rain more so than the... The frost. frost. Yeah, it's that heavy wetness over the winter that actually can rot lupins. Forest flame pruned, very severe. How do we save it? It'll have no trouble whatsoever. It'll reshoot. It'll look miserable for the winter because obviously it's been cut now and it's not going to regrow until March of next year. So leave it alone. Next March, April, get some Osmo tree and shrub feed. Shake it around the base of the plant. It'll actually be a ball of red colour. Will you see? It'll be absolutely spectacular because it's got this heavy pruning. It's going to kick back into new growth again in the spring. So it'll be perfectly fine. It'll reshoot again next spring. Nothing to worry about. When do we trim back a whip, a, a weeping willow tree? Now, if it's the dwarf variety, um, so there, there's a variety called Capria pendula, Salix Capria pendula, which is the small willow that people would have bought. It was very, very popular for years, about five, six feet high. They tend to produce a lot of dead wood mm-hmm. in the centre because the new branches are coming out over the top of the older branches every year. So if there's dead wood in the centre of the tree, prune that out today or over the next couple of days. Remove all the dead wood and you'll know it because it'll come away, it'll be brittle in your hand, it'll actually just fall away. The rest of the tree should be left alone until it flowers in March, April of next year. So willows produce their lovely catkins around the middle of March, early April and it's after that you prune them back. So as soon as the old catkin is beginning to, to go off and the new leaf is pushing on in, in March, you prune it back. So remove all dead wood now. Make sure it's staked and, and nice and supported for the winter and then come the spring, let it flower and then prune it and you can prune it quite severely in springtime and it'll be it'll reshoot again and be lovely. Okay, perfect. We're going to have to leave it there. I'm so afraid. just remember, yeah. I'm on the Hawkins... And there's a number of questions we haven't gotten to, so I know you'll probably be addressing some of those there. So I'm going to jump onto the Hawkins Facebook page now. So at five past ten, I'll answer all the gardening questions and people will see me live there if they, if they want to tune in. Um, so that's on the Hawkins Facebook page. Remember, we have the Halloween event 
the 27th and 28th of October Next at the Garden Centre in Turlock. Yeah, the Saturday and Sunday. So there's face painting, Meet the Beast, Wall of Terror and a fancy dress competition on the Sunday the 28th. But we'll remind listeners of that next week. week. Okay, have a great week. Thanks, Georgia. Okay. I have a busy week, yeah. It's going to be exciting. And I'll, I promise you the Michael D's on okay, next week. Okay, I'm going to hold Saturday. you to that. I'll hold you to that. Thanks indeed. Uh, Standby, Michael Neary is on the way next with Country Classics after the News at 10 with Angelina Nugent. Until next Saturday, just after 7 from me, a very good morning to you.